Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy, and tonight I'm broadcasting live from the islands of Thailand. This podcast might sound a little different tonight as I don't have all the fancy equipment that I usually have. So hopefully the hotel's Wi-Fi and Thailand's equivalent to the MBN holds up. But we're not here to break down Andy's excellent adventures in Southeast Asia. We're here to dissect our revenge win over the Crows in Adelaide. And joining me tonight to discuss just that is veteran Demonlander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy in Thailand. Good evening, Bin Man in Australia. Um, here on Demonland, we uh, really uh, look at the big questions that are important to us. And this week, the big question on Demonland is, will the Luke Jackson contract thread reach the same heights as the Tom Scully thread, which has now been running for 11 years and has 27,000 posts in it? Is the Tom Scully thread still going? I don't think I've looked at it in 10 years. (laughs) But Uh, but the the contract thread's heading the same way at the moment. I think so. It's going to keep going until until we get a signature um, or an intention of his to to leave. But uh, that's something we'll discuss in the coming weeks. Uh, Also joining us tonight to update us on the Demons training load program and when we can expect normal (laughs) programming to resume, Biman. Good evening, Biman. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. Um, indeed, I'll, uh, I'll I'll update on where the, the program's at. And um, I've actually, yeah, it's funny you should say that because just in when we talk about the game and my reflection on the game, I just wanted to touch on on a little bit of a related point. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll hold my fire. It's important for all our listeners to know that uh, Andy is not in Bangkok with so are you little and a uh, bit of an optimistic no I'm uh, I'm in uh, some southern islands uh, at the moment and uh, but we also will not be able to take any phone calls not that we get them every week but uh, yeah please if you are listening uh, don't call I don't have any of the fancy equipment that will route the calls in so you can all hear it so unfortunately we can't do that but let's do let's get straight into the match wrap up and I'm not sure how many listeners have ever tried to watch a game live whilst overseas before and I must say that in the past I've had nothing but uh, problems ranging from time zone issues to dodgy internet and I did a test on Thursday night trying to use the geo-locked KO app uh, with a a VPN and I had limited success and for the boomers in our audience and maybe from the blank stares of my co-hosts from them too, um, a VPN masks your actual location and tricks servers and apps into thinking you're in Australia or another location and KO is obviously locked to Australian users so I needed to use the VPN and I had limited success with the app being slow to load or stream the stream was buffering or cutting out and I knew that that wouldn't cut it uh, for me watching the demon so I fought out for a week's subscription for the watch AFL app which allows expats to uh, to watch Aussie rules in their adopted countries and know this isn't a commercial for them and fortunately this worked like a charm and I'll definitely recommend it to any travellers watching these games while sipping a pina colada in some exotic location by the pool. Anyway um, there is now a bunch of Thai pool staff and some German backpackers who agree <laughs> that the umpires have no friggin idea what they're on about and more on those maggots a bit later on. Uh, the D's started the match where they left off uh, last week absolutely dominating the contest and kicking truly for the first three goals of the match and my MFC SS unfortunately made the trip with me to Southeast Asia and I knew that this would not last too long and almost on cue not 10 minutes later we found ourselves down by a goal with a little bit of hindrance from the maggots and 
The second quarter was an arm wrestle and at the main break, the Ds were holding on to a slim lead and no doubt every Ds fan was reminded of the heartbreak of our first defeat in 2021. In the third, it was all the demons, but once again, our Achilles heel is our inaccuracy in front of goal. Wayward kicking threat and to minimise our dominance of the contest, we simply have to address this massive flaw in our game. And no, it hasn't bitten us on the bum just yet. But mark my words, if you fail to take chances like that against, say, a Geelong next week, it will come back to haunt us. And you simply cannot give a team a sniff and certainly not on their home deck in front of a feral crowd. And we could have put the game beyond the Crows' reach, by, uh, but instead kicked six behinds in the third, Yet we and we allowed the Crows to come within five points in the last. In the end, the D's class shone and the cream rose to the top, and we were able to put the Crows away, burying the demons of last year in the turf of Adelaide Oval. And once again, our mids were simply outstanding. Uh, Petrarca, Oliver and Viney racked up an incredible 95 disposals between them, and this despite uh, the D's going into the match against the Man Mountain, Riley O'Brien, with, with no recognised rucks of our own, and Weed and Mitch Brown admirably contested all night, yet O'Brien was able to get his hands on 48 hitouts. But kudos to our midfield Bulls, because only 16 of those hitouts were to the advantage of the Crows. And welcome back to Christian Petrarca, who racked up 33 possessions, 20 contested, 11 score involvements, 6 inside 50, 6 tackles, 5 clearances and 3 goals. And all this from only contesting 16 of 27 centre bounces. Track spent a mixture of time in the midfield and on half forward. Uh, I think it was a 70-30 mix with uh, half forward. And before I go on with the rest of the wrap-up, what did you guys think of Track's role in this match and and how good he was using him, B-Man? do you think we do this more or it was uh, a one-off? That was funny because um, my favourite analyst, David King, was talking uh, about it like it was he plays there once and plays more forward time. Ipso facto, look what Melbourne's doing. I think this is what um, uh, they're going to look towards to do going towards the future. Mm. He said that on the sh- during the, the after the coverage, I should say. Yep. He doubled down on the Sunday night, having time to reflect on 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 that um on first crack and double down on it um suggesting that that's what goodwood and how goodwood was going to play track for the rest of the season it's just ridiculous like why on earth would we do that and montagna who uh uh, bless his cotton socks, sort of tried to disagree a little bit to suggest, well, in fact, or maybe even it was uh, the other co-host, was to suggest, well, they've played something like 70% of um, of centre bounces has been the big three, Viney, Track and Oliver. Um, why would they change that? Why? Like, what is this thirst for seeing some different thing? You know, that one week where he plays a little bit more forward than he has previously, which is not entirely true because as we talked about three weeks ago, he played, was it against Collingwood that he yeah. almost played the entire game in the forward line? Yeah, I think um, so. I mean, it's just a ridiculous suggestion. Why would you mess with the best midfield in the AFL? I think one of the interesting phenomena this year is how little we how often we have our best three in the midfield. Like it was 10 years ago, you'd be rotating four or five of mids was the standard footy practice. Now you keep your best mids in the midfield and that's what Melbourne does. Um, I mean, he's a great wild card to throw forward, but for someone who can't kick accurately, I want him in the midfield, not <laughs> forward. So, yeah, I'm not sure what... Um, what Kingy's smoking there, maybe he's over in Thailand with you just <laughs> well, chilling out at the pool zone or something because I can't, I can't, why would they do that? Like, you know, they keep talking about the commentators at the moment are talking about, well, the obvious thing that's going wrong for Melbourne is our forward line. 
it sort of flies in the face of the fact we scored 100 points, you know, not quite in this game, but we did the previous week and, you know, forward line's not a problem. So, he'll, you know, they're not going to take him out of the midfield. George, anything you want to add to there? No, I think it's pretty obvious to people who've been watching Melbourne for quite a while that um, the only reason track was up there was because we've, you know, we've got Ben Brown as our only tall at the moment, as simple as that. Um, who's your next best option? Um, uh, Mitch Brown and, and Wiedemann were in the ruck, the roles that they don't normally hold, so it's a bit rough to expect them to rest in the forward line because they wouldn't get any rest. So, yeah, we we used him occasionally down there, which was advantageous to us. It might be something like what Ben Man just said, a wild card and, uh, occasionally, but he's not going to be uh, playing a, a more permanent f- uh, forward role when we get those sort of players back in, into their traditional roles in the forward line. In fact, it was funny, George, because... When he said that, it occurred to me that one of the big shifts in Track's game is how fit he's got because it was always the question that now has been asked of Dugowie is when Track, he was always super talented when he got over his uh, knee that he did and he came back, the the knock on him was his fitness and, you know, he was, say, a 60% forward, 40% shock trooper um, midfielder um, and the question was would you know, would he be able to get to a state where he was maybe the 70-30, 70% midfield, 30 up front? And, you know, everyone was talking about the Dustin Martin comparison. Um, you know, he's now a permanent, you know, he's a midfielder, not a mid-forward or a sort of a forward-mid. And Dugowie's a good example. Like, Dugowie should be as fit as track is. And if he was, same as Stringer, um, he'd be playing, you know, 70% midfield as well because that's where you win the game. You don't win the game up forward. You win the game. Um, from defence and in the midfield. Uh, Track also had his kicking boots uh, back on this week, kicking three goals. And prior to this match, he'd booted nine goals, 21 uh, behinds this season uh, with an incredible 10 failing to score. Uh, that it's truly horrendous accuracy and he's perhaps the biggest culprit of my biggest gripe about this Premiership team. And despite crack, almost cracking 100 points, our forward line is Still a little bit of a worry, uh, particularly Big Benny Brown being double and triple team. Uh, simply has no foil, and understandably this week, without our two rucks, we were forced to play our two other back backup rucks, uh, backup forwards in the ruck, as George mentioned, uh, for most of the game. And in the end, um, George, I think you uh, pointed out that uh, seven of our 14 goals came from our midfield. Um, and... Let's move on to the back line. Despite some early angst, uh, juices some very soft freaks to Taylor Walker and more on the maggots later. Uh, Defence held up very well. Uh, it was an intercept fest from our backs with Lever, May, Brayshaw and Hibbard, Hibbard and Petty racking up 49 in- intercepts between them, which is absolutely elite from our back line. And I think the team in total had 73 or something intercepts, which they were going on on the on the um, broadcast that it was some type of record haven't been able to verify that but um pretty impressive uh guys any other general comments about the match before we go into tactics it'd be mad uh, just as a general i i really 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 enjoyed this match and and i just thought it was a terrific uh, terrific win 
um, for a number of reasons, not least the George's point about the fact that we didn't ever recognise Ruckman. Mm. Um, for a team that's so system-based and so predictable week in, week out, they had to uh, um, look at a different way of setting up in the middle and Goody talked about it in the presser and sharking the opposition um, defender. Something, they had something like, what, 40-odd more hit-outs hit than, than us. So fantastic performance to go a full match without, you know, I mean, I, I thought we did all right. Um, you know, did his job. Um, I thought Brown did all right, did his job. Neither of them took a mark practically around the ground. So it wasn't just their ruck work that we dropped. It was that down the line kicking that uh, neither of them really could, um, you know, help us out so much. But they did both did a pretty good job of making sure the ball came to ground. When, yeah, I thought they um, did. A, needed, so. I thought they did a yeah. good job of that. Yep. Yeah. So, but I really enjoyed the game, and and I know I've talked about loading, and I think that it's. It's for me. There was a there's a thread on Demonland that talks about loading, and uh, a poster Dub D made a comment um, in there, and I, I really understand where he's coming from. That you know he gets frustrated. He doesn't want to hear about that sort of stuff. He just wants to watch the footy and like you know um, you know that that. It, that, that joke that um, Demetrio said a few years ago that, you know, this is not a game played by phys edit. Phys, we shouldn't let the game be controlled by phys edits. Remember that comment, you know, like 20-odd years ago? And and I, I really get where WD's coming from. But what I'd say is that for me at least, you know, obviously it's a theory that I've got, but I think it's based on um, pretty sound evidence. And, you know, the way I look at things is the balance of probabilities. And it's by, you know, there's... For me, that it's pretty overwhelming evidence that that's what we've been doing, um, and that's what we did on the weekend. I predicted it last week that you know that we'd come out, we'd we'd be not as sharp as we were against the Lions and freshen up against Brisbane. Um, but for me, why one of the things that it's important about it is that you know when I first started following footy in, in seriously in the seventies, there might be maybe one or two players in the AFL who ran more than 15 kilometres a game, I reckon. Maybe we fast forward to the 90s, maybe you've got three, four players who are running that sort of distance. Greg Williams ran along, you know, those sorts of players. You go to the 2000s, maybe you're looking at seven or eight, you know, um, players who are um, running 10, 15 kilometres a game. Now you're looking at, you know, in 2022, you're looking at probably 16 of your 23 starting play of your 22 starting players are running north of 10 kilometres, half of them 15 kilometres plus. They're incredible athletes. So that aspect of the game, I just with, think with with less game time and um, uh, less time on the ground as well because of more rotations. So, so the game is like I, I just think they're incredible athletes, and so I really celebrate how athletically brilliant um, they are. But it also helps me understand what's happening. So I've just watched a couple of the footy shows before, like, uh, and the the conversation on um, on the couch was, well, how could St Kilda go from a team that wins that t- kicks two goals in a game of footy, and then the next week beats Carlton? Well, it's obvious why. I mean, like, what do you want? What do you, and then, and so if you're a Saints fan, what do you think? This is remarkable. The same question came up on 360 just before I came on. How do they go from, you know, Robbo was talking about don't sign Ratten on the back of a two-goal win next week sign him. How do they go, like, how else do you explain it? So if you don't explain it that way, the problem is for a lot of fans, well, you go to the suggestion that St Kilda are mentally weak. That's why they were poor. They're not switched on. They're not doing what they need to do. And again, if we hear what um, Goodwin said during those three weeks, he praised the 
the players every week for their effort and intensity. So he didn't, he wasn't disappointed at all um, in terms of what we put in. We were just not able to. Uh, and so, you know, from that context, I really enjoyed that game because this is exactly the sort of win that is a really important one. And it, when we look back at the three losses, you mentioned that inaccuracy didn't cost us. It definitely cost us probably win that game, the Swans game, if we kick accurately. We also, as we talked about, we had issues in all three of those losses where we lost players during the game. In this game, we didn't um, lose any players, uh, and I was super impressed with the senior players. And, and I'll talk a bit, bit later. That's one. That's my what, positive. But the senior players, and when you look at the, the sort of the chart that I referenced last week of the loading period goes for about ten weeks, um, or you know eight nine weeks, is that there's a V like a crossover X shape of volume and intensity. And the same thing happened last year. Is the power players like Petrarca who lose their zip? We he could barely run past the pack. Suddenly he's rediscovered it like that's not a mental thing it's a purely a physical thing so for me it helps me understand the game and what was really interesting George I read your um, report of the game um, and the best players in the were all senior players like all of our more senior players compared to the previous week where where Cozzy played well played with a real zip against the Lions um, Sparrow played really well our younger players were Jackson were up and about this week, our younger players look slow and um, a bit fatigued and, and and not one of, like there were six players you mentioned, George, in the best. They're all 25 plus. They're all 200, you know, they're all 100 game, 100 plus game, um, you know, Petrarca and um, Oliver and um, I think Harms was in, in your list. Um, and that's because one, they're not as impacted by the heavy loads that the young players are going to be. But two, those players are all power players. So the power players are starting to freshen up. So for me, it really helps understand the game. It helps explain things. So another example just tonight was on 360 on their couch is they were talking about Fremantle. And they said from round one to round nine, they were number one in the AFL for um, defensive pressure. Now they're 17th between in the last six weeks. Why? What is that? Is the what they're asking on the couch? Well, if you apply the logic of loading, it's obvious that that data tells me that they're fatigued. They'll get back to where they need to be. They've had a pretty lousy last few weeks, but they've they've won. Um, so good on Frio, like they beat Hawks, for instance. Um, but those numbers, you know, reflect what they're doing on the training. So, so again, for me. Why aren't these experts and, you know, surely Gary Lyon and, and those guys know about loading? Why, why aren't they bringing that into the conversation? Is there a reason well, why they wouldn't? Because, well, again, I, I, I apply Occam's razor to this. It's exactly the same reason why I think loading is the cause of many of the, the fatigue-related issues and, and the performance. And it's not just us. It's the, Of the top five teams, it's only Geelong who have not lost games in this last six weeks. But they've played no one above Richmond. Mm. I mean, they've played no one of note. They haven't played any top four teams, whereas Frio have played three top four teams, we've played three top four teams, um, and so's Lions. So we've all got an equally poor record in the last six weeks. We've lost basically 50-50 for the top four teams in the last six weeks, which jags exactly with what, um, you know, the last few years have been that that discussion about Richmond's premiership years. So as to applying Ockham raises to that question, Andy, it seems to me it's fairly obvious. 
is it's in no one's interest in the media to have games where someone's a team's going to be poor. It's in no interest to the media. Pump up a game like Melbourne, um, Brisbane, it's a top-of-the-table clash. Channel 7 have paid a billion dollars or whatever it is for the rights. I don't want to have a discussion about the fact that St Kilda's only going to kick two goals or Brisbane, you know, might be off for the night. They want blockbusters and blockbusters only, you know. And so I think the answer is is that it's basically an unwritten rule you don't speak about. it. One, I think there's a culture of you don't make excuses. But two, it's a media thing. You don't, why would you want, it doesn't, it's not helpful for selling newspapers or clicks or or people tuning in if you know that, geez, St Kilda are only going to kick two goals because I know they're exhausted this week. Um, why they don't, it's because it's dominated by ex-footballers. It's all wrapped up in the, um, in, in the ratings um, and there's a lack of proper analysis of the game is that's my theory at least. George? Well, before yeah. George goes on, uh, I might need your services, Bin Man, when I, uh, if Geelong happened to, to end up on top of us at the end of the season, I might need your help in uh, press, you know, putting forward my case to my nephews who I have a bet every year of who finishes higher. And I think I've got a case that they had easy teams to play during their loading period. Um, and we unfortunately were screwed with who we got to play so yes um, look for that call George yeah I, th- I think you might have summed it up uh, inadvertently there Ben man is that uh, the commentators that we see today the Gary Lyons and the Nick Rewaltz and uh, the David Kings and those guys never experienced loading not to the extent it. not to no, the no. degree yeah. you forget how long these guys have been out of the game yeah that's a good point uh, and, and um, what we've seen with Richmond in the last couple of years in their premiership years and I think um, a lot of teams would have looked at Melbourne last year in the in the premiership year and gone wow look at the difference that they have achieved at, at year end uh, compared to during the season what are they doing to get that one percent that we're not getting and and we've heard it from Chris Scott he's, yeah, he said he's as much didn't he? he came out and said it yeah we, we have to be loading to do to replicate what they're doing and as soon as one team does it the other teams will pick up on it um, except that we've also noted there are teams who are struggling to get into the eight who can't afford to load yeah. because they have to get that next win. Like so, Collingwood, um, who like now Collingwood. won six in a row. Exactly. Yep. So, yep. you know, they people talking about them being a top four contender, but you, I'll bet my bottom dollar, if they get up, you know, if, if they got to top four, they'll smash week one because, mm. you know, they can't afford to be peaking then. They need to be peaking now to finish top eight. I mean, they've won their six in a row. But, you know, the bottom end of the back end of the season when we play them next time, you watch the difference in that game from when we play them in, what, round 21 or something or round 20 yeah, um, compared to the Queen's birthday. It'll be – they won't know what hit them. Um, you know, so as good as that they're going now, they won't know what hit them and – Exactly as you say, George. I mean, basically Scott said it, is look what Melbourne did last final series. We've got no chance against that unless we change something is, is the bottom line. I mean, loading's happen, been happening for a long time. They've always, but not to the extent that it is now. But again, I'd also add that in the, there's been a shift in the footy, the, the tactics, because Melbourne is a team that's completely based on those, um, you know, 16, 17, 18 players running 15 kilometres a game, which there was not, no equivalent 10 years ago of that. You only needed to, you know, but now our whole system collapse it does not work unless everyone's doing that defensive all all team spread um you take that out of the game and we're suddenly a pretty average you know an average footballer depending on our stars which is again one of the reasons i love that game so much i really really enjoyed this win it was you know it's easy to forget 
29 points. I thought, you know, we took our chances. Track looked thrilled when he kicked that goal off his set shot. Um, he, he looks like he simplified his um, play. I thought Viney was incredible. I thought just Viney was awesome. Oliver um, was awesome as well. Was so, amazing. yeah, I, I just thought it was a wonderful win. Um, and for me, that context is, I, I find it, it makes helps me enjoy the game more because it helps me understand, at least gives me some logic as to why this event why Melbourne have performed this way or the Saints have performed that way or how can Frio be 40 points up and suddenly stop like they've been shot against Port, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's, you know, will it come into footy? Of course it will. And that's why I reckon players are being more honest about stuff. And keep in mind, it was Selwood who brought this into the conversation by directly after the game saying it, admitting it. You know, I reckon Scott was, he... Um, he, he, he sort of opened up the dialogue even more. He could have shut that question down if he wanted to. But, yeah, hopefully there'll be a shift with it. All right, let's move. Uh, George, you got something else? I was just going to ask, Binman, has that improved your betting? Uh, yeah, I've made a mozza in the No, it has, honestly. Like, for instance, back the Saints on the weekend um, on that logic that they're, they're freshened up. Um, that, you know, yeah, so absolutely had a very successful okay. last and, few weeks. And Andy will be going after sponsorship from one of the agencies <laughs> as a result of this. I think so. Got to pay for this holiday. Okay. Um, and this week's tactics talk, Big Man, he's, he's going to tie some of the tactical threads that uh, we've discussed throughout the year together. And he's got, we're going to play a clip from Crow's uh, coach, uh, Matty Nix, post match in his post match pre- presser, and uh, also a clip from uh, Jake Lever's post match interview with uh, Ben. Gibson, so uh, we'll get right into that. Yeah, we played an extra up, as did they. They played a couple of players up the ground high, so they were happy to give us an extra behind the ball as well. Sorry, uh, Big Man, did you want to say something before that? Oh, sorry, it was just, yeah, just the context for the clips is sort of almost following on from what I was saying in terms of um, our systems and our defensive thing. And um, over the season, George has talked about our defensive structure. Um, We've talked about being a defence-first football team, that our offence comes from our defence. I I mentioned in in one of the tactic talk session um, slots that we, um, how well we control the tempo and controlling the tempo is a critical part of the way we play footy. Um, Talked about the all-team defensive running um, and specifically last week, and Gorge Dunyan asked in the chat, chat room why don't we match um, a team at the bring an extra to the stoppage when they um, do and the answer was that because it allows us to play an extra behind the ball which is such a critical part of our um, um, the way we we go about a footy and you mentioned we had 30 um, intercept possessions this week which is just really our game plan in in a nutshell is that we force the ball carrier um, the kicker under pressure to dump kick we and we split or halve um, um, the um, clearances despite being down. Although, interestingly, in this game, as we'll hear in a second, um, they um, didn't bring an extra to the stoppage crow. So you can't really see that on the telly so well. So just these two clips pick up those those threads that we've talked about during the season. Um, so Matty Nick's after in the post-match presser and then, as you said, Lever uh, interviewed after the game by Burjo. Uh, it's not Burjo. Um, it's Ben Gibson. Burgo. Matty Gibson, yeah. Ben Gibson. Ben <laughs> Matt, Gibson, Matt Burger. <laughs> yeah, Matt Burger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We played an extra up, as did they. Oops. They played... All right, here we go. Yeah, we played an extra up, as did they. They played a couple of players up the ground high, so they were happy to give us an extra behind the ball as well. And in the end, it played out. They were better behind the ball than we were tonight. 
in that game last year. They kicked 15 goals. Was it a real focus, I guess, to keep the scoring down? Yeah, absolutely. I think you go back to last year, our first nine weeks, we really prided ourselves on defence. Um, and in that round 10 game, I thought that we, we sort of got fuelled by offence. Um, so we knew coming over here, uh, Adelaide are very similar. They, they want to play fast footy, and, and when they do, they're a bloody hard side to, to play against. So we knew that we had to uh, really slow them down. And uh, for us to be able to do that, I thought it was a credit to a lot of the forwards and the mids to be able to put on the pressure and then um, the backs winning contest behind the ball. The backs have been pivotal for most of the years, keeping to 10-5. Is that a result you're happy with? Absolutely. I think that when you keep a team that are um, a really high offensive team to 10 goals, 15 scoring shots, I think they had, um, it, was, it was a really good defensive performance. There were some things maybe in the first half that we would have liked to clean up, but uh, definitely in the second half, I thought it, it uh, looked a lot better. Yeah. So, as I said, it's sort of really that's the key. And he talked earlier in that clip about what he calls the Melbourne way, which I'd not quite heard, but he mentioned it a few times. The demons way, I think he said. Uh, and what he just discussed then is the demons way in a nutshell. You know, that it's about stopping the opposition scoring first, not just being offensive for, you know, scoring, scoring sake, um, controlling the tempo, as I said, all team pressure, all of those key things. Um, and it's why a team like the Dogs, I think, you know, in this modern footy, they're going to struggle because they're offense first. That's all about offense. And you take that away from them as happened against the Lions. They were up and about in the first 20 minutes of that game. As soon as that stopped, their game felt like it just collapsed um, uh, that in um, the game against the Lions, the Dogs. Melbourne's the opposite, you know. So it's almost as if when a team starts getting offensive and moving the ball quick, you know, that's when if we, you know, don't look to control the tempo and bring it back to the Melbourne way, that's what Lever was touching on, is that we allowed them to control the tempo in that game last year. And, you know, remember it was a really high-scoring game. I think both of both teams maybe scored over 100 points mm -hmm. in this, in this um, same game last year. So, um, yeah, uh, that, the Melbourne way, the Demons way, I, I like uh, Lever's phrase there. Have you never heard the Melbourne way? Being I've heard the uttered? Melbourne way, but he's like all the Melbourne method or the, yeah. um, you know, maybe. So, um, I've heard yeah. it since 2018. Um, Goody used to always say it. I've heard some of the players mention the Melbourne way. They didn't really, ever really go into what the Melbourne way was. But uh, yeah, it was the brand of football that they want to play. Uh, this is the way. This is the way. Uh, Grogu. No, what's his name? Uh, the Mandalorian. Um, let's get into our positives. My positive for this week was uh, Ed Langdon. It was really nice to see the return to 2021 and early 2022 form of Ed Langdon. We haven't seen these big numbers from him since his rib injury. Uh, prior to this match, he'd racked up 30-plus possessions on three occasions this season, the last time being the 39 possessions in the Saints game. And But since his return from injury, he's had 23, 10 and 15. So his 33 possessions this week, Hopefully heralds the return of Langdon and the link up and run and carry that he provides us, which was a signature of our uh, premiership season. Um, yeah, so I just really loved Ed Langdon's game. Kicked a beautiful, beautiful goal as well. Uh, let's see more of that. Um, boys, anything to add on uh, Ed Langdon's score? Other than he's a star. Yeah. He's yeah. good. He's <laughs> just, he's like... Like, I don't know where he'd rank in my top to, uh, top of all time recruits, but he'd geez, he'd be up there. He just yeah. runs and runs and runs and runs. Well, as we've talked about, we've got three in this team that are probably in my top ten, Lieber, <laughs> May and, and Langers. I, uh, I was impressed when uh, ben, in, ben Gibson interviewed him after the game 
and he commented about his goal, thinking it was lucky or something. And Ben, uh, sorry, um, Ed got a bit miffed. He said, no, I practice that all the time. And I think he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw that in a bit. He was pretty flag- phlegmatic in it, wasn't he? Yeah. He's a very droll character. Yeah. Uh, George, you wanted to talk about the return of uh, the return of the injured. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's very easy to forget where we were even in the last month and before that, where uh, particularly down the back line, um, you know, we were really struggling uh, to to get have a single tall in there. Uh, we've seen Lever come back uh, now. Um, his kicks in this in his kicks in this game um, were again as uh, the, the Top statistics for him for the season of 9.4. He's only played 11 games this season. Uh, Stephen May, after his little uh, interlude away, um, again, intercept marks against the Crows was the best for the season. Uh, 5.3 for the game, which incidentally is the same as where he was last year. Christian Salem in only his fifth game uh, for the season, but again, uh, equaled his uh, season's best in kicks and tackles in the Crows game. Ed Langerton, Andy's just talked about. Um, it's too easy to forget a rib injury, um, how mm. painful they are, and they just take time to um, to repair themselves. It's now the fifth week, which is sort of traditionally four to five weeks is uh, for rib injuries is how long they take to repair. So he's now come back to his best. It's easy to forget that Petrarca, a couple of even a couple of weeks ago, had um, obviously some sort of knee um, concerns. And all of a sudden, they're not there anymore. Um, Michael Hibbard, Hibbard um, yeah. I think it's his third third game back. You put all these players together, and I think it was uh, last week was the first, not uh, the previous week, was the first time that we've had the Lever May uh, Petty team back together. And I forgot about Petty and all of that. He was out for for a while yeah. as well. Um, first time we're getting the the old crew back together, and. Um, uh, I think the numbers that we see as a result of you know, the intercepts, particularly in this game, um, were that we're getting exactly all our, our prime movers back in in that defensive area. If we could only do the same in the forward forward line, it'd be fantastic. But um, it really does put a, a complete complex a different complexion on the game when you've got those skills back. And uh, this week, uh, hopefully, we'll get the return of Max and and uh, Jackson as well, so that'll improve things even further. Uh, Salem has been. He was near back his best on the weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's, he's, he's got depth in his kicking once again. Yeah, yeah, and even for a huge Salem fan like myself, the you know for us is that he's easy to underrate. Like mm. you know, in turn, he's his impact is hard to. It's different way track plays, for instance, or even Hibbo, someone like Hibbo who's running hard off the half back flank. It's he, he just seems so sort of unassuming, but. He, he looked, as he said, he was getting good penetration on his kicks and those little sort of one, not even one step, just those stab kicks that he, he drills, you know, short and sharp and he seemed to be in the right spots. And what I really like about it is that, um, I think as I touched on last week, is if he's playing that role, it frees up um, Bowie to be a different type of player than he has um, been in that f- first part of the season when Salo was out and even um, in the, his first week or so back. Um, he, I thought he was terrific. And the other one that's interesting, George, back there, thinking of this, you know, being our best back um, seven, so to speak, is is Gus is in it this year. I, it's really, I mean, I know we've talked about it, but he was brilliant again. He, you know, um, and in terms of intercept marks, 
I'm pretty sure I heard on the coverage that he's number one in the AFL for intercept marks. So um, uh, I, I might have a look in a sec, I but think he, he's if he's even, not, he'll be right up there. I think he's even quite up there on marks, if not uh, leading Yeah, he was marks. second most marks last week. Um, yeah, he took plenty to again on the weekend, but he's our leading intercept. I know for sure he's our leading intercept marker. He has the um, most marks. He's at 129, Sicily 126, and then I'm assuming he'll also be the intercept mark leader as well. So it's that you know that suddenly makes it really impressive, and he's making good decisions as as well. And you know it's funny you, you forgot Petty because when you you bring that third tall in, suddenly it becomes a real you know back in the day it was like if you lose a forward, you know they always say you bring another tall forward in you know it's one less that's one less sort of big defender that can go to your best player. It's a bit like the opposite down back is you know three talls of that quality um, makes it pretty hard to to snag a mark down forward, that's for sure. He actually isn't leading the intercept marks. Um, Paddy McCartan on 50, uh, Charlie Ballard 49 and Brayshaw 45. But he is leading marks. <clears throat> um, uh, B-Man, you want to talk about, you, you touched on it earlier, the, our senior players. You want to go? Yeah, that? it was like an old school win that's one of the reasons i really enjoyed it is that you know again back in the day in the sort of 2000s and late 90s you know the best teams just kept you know they'd win and often it was on the back of just how sheerly talented you know how much sheer talent they had um at their disposal you know the hawks i used to hate watching the hawks because you know it didn't matter who they played their, their talent just got them over the line and that's what it felt like on the weekend just the our most talented players just stood up and and made an impact. So Viney, Oliver, um, Track, obviously, but Gus as well. You mentioned um, May George. Uh, I thought Lever again. He's um, you know his uh, leadership was fantastic on field. We we scored it. We got an easy goal given us against us. Um, uh, early on and he was back there trying to calm the troops and you know I just think our, it was just a fantastic performance from our senior players particularly in the absence of um, the skipper so you know not having Max Gorn there um, having the unusual situation of having no recognised Ruckman or at least for us um, I just think the senior players were, were fantastic and I'll probably put Hibbo in that um, you know, he probably didn't do a massive amount, but um, you know, his leadership was was strong as well. But just you know, it was just awesome to see our stars stand up, and and you know, without track, we probably don't win that game. You know, maybe you know, it's hard to tell. Langers is the other one as as was picked up on. So um, just terrific. We've we've lauded our younger players plenty, but you know, sometimes those senior players just need the recognition they deserved, and you know. Awesome to hear Clary's been signed up for seven oh, years. I mean, I, I didn't have that I mean, down as a discussion point, but we may as well just discuss it now. Um, we had to sort of lock him away. Um, barely I mean, got it, any it, news, dropped like a stone yep. into the pool of bloody nonsense out there in Media Land. I mean, are there any devil's advocates? Are you, is there any concerns over a seven year contract, or are you happy to lock him away for good for life? Well, it's actually an eight-year contract because he's got another year to run and so yep. it's an extension on that. So, well, it's a seven-year contract, but he's got another yep. eight years. That takes him to 33, 34. I couldn't be more thrilled. Yeah. Like, yeah, why would you not? I mean, he's... Track and Oliver um, have now played 96 games together. The last 96 games 
um, together. Four more, and they played a ton together. Mm. Um, Oliver's pu- proven his durability. I mean, you know, shy of getting knocked out or, or whatever. Um, he's exactly the sort of player you want yep. to lock away for as long as possible, I would have thought. Um, let's, oh, the other thing I was going to bring up, we were just talking about Hibbard before, um, I'll put my hand up and say that, uh, I had almost written him off. I thought with the calf injuries he had early that he would, he'd never be able to find that form that he had found last year. Um, and yeah, he's proven me wrong and I couldn't be happier more about that. Yeah, it's really um, returned to his best now. That it's just that solid. You know, when you, it's almost like the break glass. We've got one player left to stop this forward attack. It always seems to be Hibbert or Gus in in, in recent times. But Hibbert's been fantastic, especially when he's able to shut down different types of players mm. like the Charlie Cameron job that he did last week. That was just fantastic. So, will he great pl- to see him back. Uh, will he play this week on Stengel? Do you think? I think there's a very, very good chance. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's how, how do you see um, either of you the the role that um, Bowie plays in, with now Salem back? Like his one on one's not really his go, is it? But he's like surely he's the sort of go to for a smaller player when you've got two. Like um, Hibbert can take a Stengel, for instance. Um, but yeah, what sort of defender do you feel like he is, George? I really don't know. He seems once again. He seems to be one of those guys who just reads the play so yeah, well. Yeah, zones um, off, doesn't when, he? And... When you've got three tools yep. in there, he's the one at the back who seems to pick up this, the crumbs. Yeah, uh, it's going to make it next to impossible for people like Hunt and Rivers to get back into the side short of an injury the way he plays, because that's sort of their role as well, bringing the ball out of the back line. Um, yeah, he's just a natural footballer. He's fantastic yeah. to to have down there. I don't think he's a um, a lockdown type player. No, nah, that's the thing. He's not. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree. I think that's sort of that almost like the Daniel Caleb Daniels get the ball out the back of the contest and yeah. use his kicking skills as opposed to Salem plays a higher half back role, doesn't he? And yep. but he also doesn't lock down really anyone. So. It makes Hibbard's role even more important, that ability to go one-on-one with those um, sort of medium-sized forwards. I was just thinking Rivers and uh, and Hunt, I feel for them because with with, um, with Hibbo back in form, Salem back in the team, um, and Brayshaw sort of embracing that defensive role and making it his own, it, it's got to... It's great for our depth because any injuries and they can they can slot in. But uh, yeah, I, I do feel for those two guys. But uh, good depth to have. Uh, let's get on to our improvements and for mine this week. Interstate umpires. Uh, I'll preface this by conceding that you probably haven't heard me have a whinge uh, this year about the umpires, as I believe we're in the positive on the free kick deferential. We were plus twenty. 22 before this week we took a big hit uh, and are now only plus eight I thought the umpiring was absolutely abysmal on Saturday afternoon it was laughably one-sided and I don't think there was much crowd affirmation behind most of the free kicks either some of the free kicks awarded to Taylor Walker were just mind-boggling and never in my wildest dreams could I wish for the protection that he received as a forward and if our forwards ever got an armchair ride like the one he received I would have welts all over my body from pinching myself awake the worst free kick of the lot was the blocking free kick in front of goal that he received for jumping into a stationary Mitch Brown and kneeing Mitch in the head um, 
staggering. I can I cannot understand that. Uh, the free kick count was 23 to nine, which is even more astonishing when you factor in that at least four or five of our nine free kicks were from the co- uh, Crows kicking the ball out on the full. Uh, we were probably actually only awarded four four free kicks for the day, and, I, and don't even get me started on the ones that were blatantly weren't paid. Clary had his head taken off. May was held and slung, tackled without the ball, to name a few. And perhaps it's uh, it's time for neutral umpires at hostile interstate venues, and not maybe not just interstate venues, but uh, ones that are in Geelong too. Um, and that's my rant over. <laughs> appalling, like yeah. appalling, like if we'd lost that game, yeah, like I was pretty sanguine about it. But I, at one point, I suddenly thought, "What's the free kick count?" Because they they hadn't said it on the telecast at all. They didn't. They barely mentioned oh, they it. They don't, and, I, and they weren't even mentioning that there was any lopsidedness. Maybe, maybe that's my like, one-eyed. But I don't know. So I jumped on the AFL app, and I couldn't immediately find the number either. And I didn't want to not watch the match and read the app. But I was thinking, we can't have got a free kick. We only, so we got three free kicks after quarter time. Is that right? That's, we had three in the correct, first yeah. quarter. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and there were a lot, to, as I said, on the full. They had four or five on the falls. Which well, uh, to be honest, as we've talked about, it's not really the free kick. It's no, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, the ones that yeah, are really frustrating, yeah. like the ones that are. But just on the um, and thanks to uh, a mate of mine, the gorilla for for these numbers. But the crows in have lost at seven home games this season. They've lost mm-hmm. three of those games, so you reckon that would even up the count a little bit. They're plus seventy three free kicks. At home. Um, excluding their game against Port. So seven home games excluding Port, so eight in total. Seven, they're plus 73. They had 32-15 versus Frio, 33 free kicks to 13 versus Tigers. They won 31 free kicks to 20 versus the Saints uh, and 23-9. How's that? 73 plus seven, So yeah. over 10 per game if you take out the Port. Um, game, which is obviously they're both home teams, so that confuse the umpires to all get out for that one. Plus over 10 more than the opposition each game. I mean, come on, that can't be, like, that's statistically, like, completely anomalous, isn't it? That's why I'm calling yeah. for neutral umpires at hostile interstate venues. Just make them professional, for make, God's yeah. sake. That's that's exactly it, Ben. It just make them professionals. You've got, it's like the international cricket umpiring. Um the problems that they used to have that with the biases that were seemed to be endemic in that. As soon as they introduced a, an independent um, cricketing uh, board, uh, all of a sudden those problems seemed to disappear. And, and uh, you pay and, them, and, you train them. Yep, you, yep. Yeah, you'd have a rule like, of course you don't do it at home. Yeah, like it's, it's, multi, multi, it's a multi, multi-million dollar business. Why have you got part-timers still umpiring these games? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, I mean, it's the biggest bugbear of all fans is the inconsistency. But it was a shocking, like, because it was didn't feel like we were, even when they got within five points, it didn't feel like we'd lost control of that game. It didn't feel like the sort of, I felt during the Collingwood game, I, I felt, we were going to lose that game at three yes, quarter time yep. against the Pies, and yep. it never felt like that. However, there were some pretty critical frees that they got, and then we didn't. Um, mm. That were just they could have easily influenced the result of that game. And as you say, George, a multi-billion-dollar industry, and you can have it decided by just complete howlers. Like it's just not good enough, really. Uh, George, you wanted to. Your improvement is still the forward line. That was actually mine as well, but I thought I'll take the umpires on. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know my feelings on this. <laughs> We've talked about that in the last couple of weeks, and and the reality is, um, you know, 
we've got one tall forward at the moment mm. in in um, Ben Brown, um, and it's not surprising you mentioned it before, Andy. It, there's no foil for him in the mm. absence of T Mac. Um, he's expected to mark quite often against two and three opponents, and people on Demon Land are complaining about his lack of marking. It, it's not going to happen while he's got two people hanging off him consistently. It's so easy for the opposition to to double up on him. Um, we're also missing his marking up the ground, um, another role that uh, T-Mac used to be able to perform, but also you'd, you'd alternate occasionally and Ben Brown would be up there on the wing. He just can't get up there at the moment. He's being run all around the place, um, mm. doubled up. There's not much to do. At least we had uh, Mitch Brown kick two. Um in the game, uh, but the mids uh, kicked seven of seven of the uh, goals that we had. We had the trouble was we had three really really bad misses, both from Bedford, uh, Ben Brown, and Harms all missed um, goals from basically inside the goal square. Yeah. With snaps. Now, if, if those had gone through, the game was over. Mm. It was yeah. well and truly over. Bedford's um, was perplexing. Oh, wasn't just it? just awful. Yeah. Ben Brown's wasn't much better, you know, a snap around the body from the top of the goal square. But, yeah, um, I also noticed um, uh, Ben was limping in the second quarter, so um, mm. it was very difficult for him to um, obviously get any sort of spring or even, uh, any sort of run around the ground. Uh, we, we only managed uh, six uh, goals from Mark and set shots. Um, most of our stuff is coming from in play. Uh, of those marks and set shots, half were... Oh, sorry. Mitch Brown got two of them, and Fritch won, and uh, Ben Brown got one as well after the siren. But again, the, the majority of our shots are coming from the mids, further up the ground, and in play. So the the one positive come negative is that uh, Petrarca was involved in forty six percent of score involvements. Um, it sort of t- tells you that uh, how important he was in this game, but it also tells you. The others aren't doing all, all that much around uh, apart from him. So um, there's a lot required from the forwards. I don't know that it's going to get much better. We're trying to create scenarios um, to cover the losses of, of T-Mac in particular. Um, while we've got uh, Wiedemann and uh, Mitch Brown rucking, we can't really use them as forwards. So it's going to be difficult to see what what we come up with in the couple of in the coming weeks, as we certainly get at least our hopefully one or maybe two of our rucks coming back. Petrarca is actually leading the the league in score involvements. Uh, another feather in and, his and did last year, I think. Yes. I mean, that's his go-to. I mean, a couple of interesting points there, uh, George. One of which is that it sort of it goes to the way um, goody coaches and the philosophy, and again goes back to the Melbourne way or the Demons way or whatever we want to call it, is that he does not change things. And so uh, lots of coaches over the years, in the scenario where our forwards um, clunk in the ball, um, as everyone's pointing out, and that seems to be the sort of flavour of the month to, for, to pick that weakness for the Ds, uh, would modify it somehow, would play short, would would direct their players to lead up or would, would make some change um, to at least offset the impact of not having a T-Mac or a third tall or not goody, just keeps on going with the same game plan, even though Mitch Brown isn't going to be dragging the ball down um, in the same way that um, Luke Jackson or Maxi Gorn is, you still kick to that um, 
to that thing because it's all about predictability. You don't change it for a week just to suddenly get a little bit of a, um, a spike in performance with that week because that might impact that choice the player has. It all has to be automatic for Goody. So you don't change anything that you, um, you tweak, but you don't change the fundamentals. And um, just that on that point, George, you know, it's critical what you, you noted about not having um, T-Mac in and also now with we this week playing up is that we are always going to bomb it in. So it might be frustrating to watch, um, but, you know, we aren't going to clunk that many. That's just not. But we have our three, four talls going for it, two or three talls, one of which is usually blocking, giving that space. If you take that player out, we're still going to keep kicking to the, you know, to the pack and we'll get outmarked if we have, as exactly as has happened in the last four weeks, is that out of nowhere, we're aerially getting beaten, but that will change when we get a third tall. So, I mean, ultimately, when we go to the forward line, uh, Lazy asks about the sort of what we think about the forward line going forward. We'll go back to the same model, and I expect that Weed will come in and be the the third tall, and he's just got to get better at blocking for um, 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 Benny Brown and um, doing it because we're not going to change our method, and so we're going to bring in players who can play their role um, and stick to the method that we've built. Um, you know, we're, we're simply not going to change horses at this stage. Um, B man. Is there anything you wanted to add as an improvement? Uh, you, you, <laughs> yes, my improvements this week, Andy, was we really need to get better at, um, at a team at winning free kicks. Like, I don't blame the umpires, unlike you. I, I think it's a weakness of – it's a mental weakness our um, players obviously have. We're not winning frees enough. It's We're failing in that key performance um, indicator. We, well, we need what, to what put a bit suggesting? of mayo on it maybe or – do some is, better is, acting. Uh, are, you, are you suggesting we duck and dive? And yeah, I'd be I'd be getting Waitman down there to give us some <laughs> tips and to, you well, know Oliver. Charlie Spargo. Charlie Spargo is very good at sort of. Yeah, he's not bad at it. Uh, and we've got a, a Hawthorne. <laughs> and a big improvement is we've got to be more switched on. We can't be giving away the sort of free kicks that Mitch Brown gave away to Tex Walker <laughs> by standing there and and allowing Tex Walker to jump all over his head. I mean, that was blocking every Can day of the week. Can you believe that? They said his eyes. Well, you mean, the guy's jumping his knee into you. Where are you going to put your eyes? <laughs> he didn't move. How could that be blocking? So we've got to get. Got to, that's my improvement for the week. They've got to. Like, are you allowed stop to give away yeah. those silly free kicks? Okay. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on. And it couldn't have gone to a better fella um, than Tex Walker oh, yes. to get a sort of gimme goal. Like right, that. isn't he and a it, bit of a flopper as well? He was playing uh, for him. We should learn from him. The, the other my other um, thing from the commentary on the weekend was the the inf- I forget exactly who said it. Maybe it was Dunstall, but. One of them was saying basically that Tex Walker was giving Steve May a complete bath. Yes. What are you watching the so, same game of football? Was that when he gave the handball over his? Yes. Over his, okay. So I don't, can't remember who said it. I think it was. I, I don't know. I can't remember who said it. But then someone else said straight after that. Well, actually, three of those uh, possessions he had were from free dodgy free kicks, basically. Yeah. And he barely got a <laughs> kick in the second half. It was yeah. Like, yeah. It was David King at half time. You probably were swimming in the pool in Thailand yeah. by that point. But David King at half time seriously posed the question: What are we going to do? What are the D's going to do with Walker? Should they move May off him? I was like, yeah. Yeah. like, no, they're not going to move Steve May off Tex Walker. 
It's like, come he, on, man. He changes his opinion on Melbourne, uh, David King, uh, more than I change my underwear. More than he changes those pastel <laughs> shirts. It's like... <laughs> All right, let's move on to Casey. Casey remain undefeated three games and percentage clear on top of the ladder. I think they do have a game in hand, though. Um, after a slow start, they eventually put their foot down and mercilessly defeated uh, Port Melbourne by 58 points. Cade Chandler put his hand up to take another crack at senior selection, booting five goals from 29 disposals. Dunstall had Dunstall, Dunstan, got Dunstall on the mind, had 23 disposals, including eight clearances, while Oscar Baker had 24 touches. George, who impressed you this week uh, out of Casey? <laughs> This, this was one of the worst games to possibly <laughs> I watch. Did <laughs> that was <laughs> a clash of <laughs> like a clash of all clashes, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Port was in a red jumper and Melbourne was in a red, an indigenous red and blue jumper oh with not goodness. very much blue. And Port was <laughs> indigenous jumper too, I think. Was it? Pretty sure, I think was, so. But it was almost completely red, and so the put. The poor commentators were in as much, uh, uh, couldn't find their way as much as us. At one stage, they even thought Melcham was out on the ground um, that, because they were just calling numbers uh, because they couldn't see who the players were. Yeah, it was and, a and which side the worst they were clash on. I've ever seen. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, so, um, look, it was a really hard-fought game in, the, in one sense. Port Melbourne are a, a traditional um, football club. Uh, they've got lots of good, very good VFL quality players in their side. <clears throat> and and the scores were level, I think, even 10 minutes into the third quarter. Um, and it was only after that point that uh, the De- Casey Demons got on, on top, really, and really got on top in a big way from, from that point. They were missing a lot of players. Um, we took a full contingent away to Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, including Van Royen, uh, Melcham, uh uh, and and Tomlinson, so uh, they were missing players all over the place from from the last couple of weeks. They had a lot coming in from you know uh, secondary sort of competitions, playing in you know in some cases their first games. Uh, Chandler was a complete standout in this game. Twenty nine possessions, five goals, and he was in everything. He was re- really stood out as far far and beyond better than anybody else. Does he uh, play in the mid? The, does he play in the midfield? Um, yeah, he was he was playing mid. Yeah, and, and and down forward as well. But he was he was in everything. He was so, really solid. Yeah, uh, yeah, complete standout for the for the whole game. The five goals that he got was. Um, uh, really good value for for the work that he was doing. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, that's um, the first time I've thought George. I only watched I watched the first half and the half of the third quarter. It's the first time I've thought to myself he's above VFL standard. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he's right at it previously, but it was not just that the ball fell his way because that can happen. It's how he used the ball. And geez, speaking of kicking, he's got a beautiful, beautiful kick. He hit yeah. someone on the lead over That's the right. top of a player. It was just a magnificent kick. And yeah, yeah I the that was the best game I've the best I've seen him play at any level. Um, and um, yeah, I was super impressed. Yeah, uh, Luke Dunstan was prolific at getting the ball. Um, but his usual failing is, is his kicking. Um, that seems to let him down all the time, but he got bucket loads of the ball. Uh, Oscar Baker on the wing does the same sort of thing. It's lots of the ball, but the kicking is just not up to the, the standard that's going to get him uh, to the um, seniors list. Uh, he needs to improve that, but he's been around a long time now. Hunt and Rivers, um, in a way, had little to do. Um, mm. 
they had 15 disposals and 19 disposals effectively, but uh, the way Port were entering their forward line was a lot of um, high kicks to, yeah, to talls. Of, uh, yeah. um, so th- there was little opportunity for those players to get involved um, mm. in, the, in the way that they normally do at AFL level. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's Ellison... Uh, I said I said this a couple of weeks ago. There's no way known he's not going to be on an AFL list next next year. So um, he he popped up in the last quarter, I think, for a goal. They were playing him down back, and then they move him up forward, and he kicks goals. He just does everything he needs to. Again, a natural footballer, and he's put on a lot of muscle. Yeah, um, yeah, so, so I think he would, if he's put on an AFL list, he will really blossom. Um, my real concern is what I've spoken about before is people like McVie and Rosman and even Deacon Smith uh, just need to show a lot more than what they are currently. Um, I thought uh, Rosman played pretty well. Yes, but he doesn't stand out in in the way that he should. Um, he got a lot of credits for, for getting the ball, which yeah. um, <laughs> were the wrong player. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, He's only 20. He's yeah, yeah. Um, McVie, I've been very disappointed in very low possession numbers. Um, again, he, he, he needs to do a lot, lot more to, to get the notice of the seniors collect, uh, senior selectors. But again, there was another win with um, a lot of AFL players uh, missing out of the side that they've mm. been depending on. Uh, they've got the really solid um, players like Munro and uh, White, who, who hold it together every week and really are, are probably a level themselves above VFL, um, but they're not not on an AFL list. Um, but it's nice to have it have um, you know, still undefeated at this point in the season that really haven't been challenged all that much, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, Southport seemed to be the only one capable of doing that. You make an interesting point, George, about um, Rivers, and I hadn't thought about that in terms of Rivers and Hunt's role. For that halfback flank running off the halfback flank in the rebounding, you're right. It's sort of some of the positions are probably you're not going to lose much much going in terms of structure and system going from AFL back to VFL. Like a halfback flank sort of intercepting defender is always going to be a half, you know, or like a key sort of back interceptor. But that that role um, that both Rivers and Hunt plays, particularly that rebound off halfback with run and dash, um, probably doesn't translate as well. So it must be a little bit tricky to get that sort of development in. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of if if you're a ruckman, you're just going to be practice rucking. If you're an in and under midfield, well, it's going to translate either way, like Dunstan, for instance. Um, But yeah, you're right. It's sort of Hunt, I was watching him in that first half. He was sort of, he didn't do anything not great, but it's like it, the position is also a hard one to stand out in. Like it's hard one to playing back in that role to think, geez, they're a cut above, so to speak, or, mm. you know, he's an AFL player who's just desperate to get back in. And um, it's a really, it, it's a, Rivers is an interesting one, isn't it? Given the fact he was a lock in our best 22 last year and now can't get back in. Mm. It, it's difficult when you haven't got a player like a, at the VFL level, a player like Lever or May, doing yeah. intercept work for you and then dish yeah. it off to you to show your wares. That's um, a good point, actually. And Well, Rosman's sort of playing that role back there. He's playing that sort of taller, not quite like a um, uh, zoning off as much, but that seems to be the role they've cut out for him. And you're right, though. That, that, that's a good point, actually, because they both Rivers and Hunt, if they're in the seniors, they would be those players on the outside looking for the, the handball or the, the kick from the intercept mark. 
Um, let's move on to ins and outs. And I guess the big question is, will Max and Luke be back this week? Uh, injury report says that they'll be given um, you know, tests. Uh, so if so, if they're, bo- if they're both back... Uh, do both Sam Wiedemann and Mitch Brown make way for them? Does one of them stay in the team as a second tall? If only one of Max and Luke are back, do they both stay in the team? And if neither Max or Luke are back, how quickly will the sky be falling? Um, particularly because we're playing Geelong. So uh, who wants to take that, George? <laughs> what's you've, who, what's you've, happening? You've, you've summed it all up, Andy. It all depends on... <laughs> On whether one or two of them is available or not. Yeah, well, um, if if they're both uh, in, what are we doing uh, yeah. with the other? The, we need a second tool in the forward line. So yeah, who stays yeah. in? Uh, and we go back to the same problem that yep. we had three weeks ago, don't we? So mm-hmm. um, um, it's about their assessment about who's the mo- most capable up there, what they can provide to us, what can they can provide to the rest of the structures up there. So mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult one. Um, We'll talk about it shortly, but um, it depends what Geelong might uh, bring to the rucking uh, side as well. There, there seems to be some rumours that Stanley might not be mm. available this Ooh, week. I didn't hear that. Um, yeah. So, um, well, no doubt the um, uh, coaching staff at Melbourne would have had more insights about that sort of scenario should it arise. But I think it might might uh, change the way we think if that was the case. Do you, have they either of you heard anything about? Um, Jacko's injury because I, there seemed to be very little talk about. I'd heard of PCL yeah. potentially, or which is sort of a contact injury for Ruckman often, mm. isn't it? Is that? But I haven't heard. Re- there was really no information about length of time. Goody wasn't asked about it in the presser, even though they asked about Max Gorn. I thought the obvious next question was Jackson, so you couldn't get a read on on that. And then I so half expected him to be out for a few weeks because they hadn't said anything. But he's a test. Have you heard any more information, Andy? The, I haven't heard anything else. Uh, the news hasn't filtered all the way to Thailand yet about that. But um, uh, what I heard at the time was that it was a more... Few, a few drive-bys from Andy tonight, George. <laughs> I thought you'd be a bit more relaxed being on holidays. <laughs> it was more... Um, it was more they took him out. He didn't play because it was more precautionary that they'll rest him um, rather than risk him. So right. yeah. I, okay. I so took from that that he'll be back next week, but... Who yeah. knows? There's always mystery there, there was, of the week. There was a brief um, session on the Channel 9 News, I think it was tonight, uh, at the Melbourne training. Gorn and Jackson were both there. Jackson was carrying one of those um, knee-type bandages that has the kneecap exposed, but with strapping above mm. and below um, on top of his normal Ruckman-type uh, shin guards. Um, so it, it, it's difficult to say, yeah, it, I th- from what I understand, it was a PCL type injury at at training. Oh, um, training, not during the, in the match. Not right? during the match. Yeah. Knock um, on knock. Yeah. In so, terms of, sorry, Josh. Yeah. Uh, uh, more yeah. importantly, there was one quick uh, snippet of him uh, kicking the ball, and he was kicking with that right with the uh, right leg, I think it was, which was the strapped leg. Okay. Well, let's assume both of them are coming back in. Um, I predict. Um, that they'll, um, uh, Weed will say in and Mitch Brown will go out and they'll go back to um, the three talls um, because we're not, the, again, 
we're not going to we're always going to play the third tour it's just a matter of who it is mm. you know we don't we don't change we've that's pretty well established mitch brown isn't physically strong enough um i, I thought weed as i said did his job you know nothing fantastic but competed pretty hard and that's all all we really need from him is that competing physically blocking getting into the contest he, i thought he tackled hard so i really reckon he's going to be the player who's going to be that third tall for the rest of the year. I really hope he takes his chances. Um, but he doesn't have to. He just has to compete hard, physically hard. He's got to move a bit quicker too still. He's still that flat-footed. It's like half. He's, he's actually not very quick, but it's as I've mentioned a few times, it seems like he takes a half a second for his brain to click. Go. It's, as opposed to Cozzy, who seems like he's like got the opposite affliction. He's moving before his brain's even clicked in. So I, I think that um, Bedford might go back to the Medi sub. Tomlinson goes back to Casey is how um, I, I see it happening, which needs one more out. Who would be the other out if Maxi comes in? Or Mitch Brown out and Bedford out. There you go. You've heard it first here. All right, let's go into our... <laughs> uh, George, you want to add anything? No? No, no. All right. And don't, don't take any notice of anything we've just said. Because usually the day oh, well, after this podcast, it all changes. <laughs> yeah, I blame COVID for everything. <laughs> well, uh, let's go to our opposition watch. And every year I stick a fork in them and uh, think that they're done. But every year they just come back. And uh, this season they appear to reinvent themselves. And they loom as a very dangerous contender to our own crown. We have a formidable back line. But conversely, they have a very formidable forward line. Uh, the Cats uh, won't forget us pinching top spot from them after the siren in round 23, nor will they forget the mauling that we inflicted upon them in the preliminary final. And George, you've been keenly watching the Cats this season. What can we expect from them as we travel down the Princess Freeway and enter the Cattery? I haven't been watching Geelong keenly. I've been watching North Melbourne keenly for the last <laughs> couple of weeks because they seem to be the prelude to our, our next opponent. No, I'll, I'll just prefix this, but North were absolutely awful, absolutely, mm. completely awful. They were witches' hats on the day, which makes it uh, so much more difficult to, to assess the opposition because there was no opposition. Uh, Not a great the, preparation uh, for the Cats. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the Cats had their first goal inside 13 seconds um, and then North Melbourne uh, managed only three scoring shots Post quarter time, you know, it was it was just appalling. If quite honestly, if Goldstein wasn't in the ruck holding together um, the middle, um, that would have turned into a a one eight six type game very very easily. Um, it was just awful. Um, so there was little little to take for us from from the game. Um, the the cats might have a bit of a problem down back uh, because uh, Stewart's not there. Uh, College Asney picked up a concussion industry w uh, injury which will preclude him from playing this week. So basically their main defenders are Tui and Jack Henry. Um, can we take advantage of that? Maybe we can if we bring in that second tall down forward this week. Um, uh, Cameron's been in good form. Um, Hawkins is slowly ageing, but he's still damaging. And, and the real concern is if we don't have um, a decent ruck, uh, you know, Hawkins takes the the rucking role in the forward line. If someone like Wiedemann was trying to ruck against him, there'd be a, an awful sort of scenario arising. So, um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, hopefully we'll have uh, at least one ruckman back this week. Stengel's dangerous. We talked about him. Uh, but again, he, 
he had absolutely no pressure. He was doing exactly what he wanted in this game because there were no North players within miles of him, so he ran around a lot. Yeah, but he's he's been very good this year. I've seen him a number of times. He's he has good been, he has been, but you know, yeah. I'm reminded of Charlie Cameron as well. He was kicking five and six yep. goals in the game and got nothing uh, when uh, Hibbert was put onto him. Uh, Dangerfield was interesting. He, he's to me, he's lost a lot of weight in the last couple of weeks uh, from what he was and um, he only played 62% game time uh, this week so uh, they were obviously on restricted times trying to get him up to, you know, obviously for the end of the season but they're not stretching him very much Selwood was rested again the same problem the old bodies are starting to wear out and they can't afford to um, uh, to use them as much as they used to Stanley uh, I've picked up on a couple of threads that uh, he might be a a, a doubtful, but I think it's going to be interesting. Um, well, in terms of this game, uh, if Geelong win, they are very likely to go top of the ladder. Mm. Um, if if we win, we'll go we'll go um, two games clear of them, but also we'll be uh, two games two games clear of fifth at the very worst um, as we approach the end of the season. So we, uh, our opportunities to finish top four are almost. Um, uh, heavily reliant in this game, we could almost lock it away this weekend mm. by beating them. Uh, just as another aside, you sort of look at North Melbourne, you go, I wonder what Cameron Zerha, who's out of contract at the moment, uh, is thinking playing in a side like this, um, or a Nick Larky, um, who's still in contract, but uh, what they're thinking about, how long are they going to stick around at North? Um, they're... Um, uh, Jason Horn Francis has already put off uh, negotiations, and so Zerha um, could Zerha be an option for us, and um, if uh, T Mac doesn't come up for uh, uh, come the end of the year because he's only 24 and got a a, a lot of years ahead of him, so um, it'll be a very very important game to us and a very interesting game. The North situation is a shocker. There's really it's if you my age the last time there was anything similar was the demise of Fitzroy yep. really that's that bad and I'm not I don't reckon I'm over exaggerating I've heard the the discussion around in Fitzroy's last year they were 49 percent um you know that's what r- r- the ruse are now like it's a it's a shocker really um yeah. yeah I I hate to say it you know it's just like and it's such a like it's not even a rebuild. They're going the opposite direction, aren't they? So, you know, what, yeah. what do you do? On the Cats, I, I really like the way they've gone about um, uh, this year. I, I, I think they're a much better chance of winning the flag than they have been in previous years because they've changed their game plan. They've decided to be a territory team. Um, what's interesting with that um, is that they're playing a different style, which is very much a territory um, game, which is really the is the model now. Uh, Richmond's model, they started it and, and we, we perfected it and, you know, get it forward, trap it in the front half. Um, but defensively, they're better this year than they were last year, which is which is really interesting. They've had a pretty a pretty good draw, I have to say. The last six weeks during this period, they've as, as I said before, the highest team they've played, and they, and they weren't even that high that time was well was Richmond. I think they were ninth or tenth at the time. Now they're in the eighth. Um, so they've they've had a pretty good run. That six in a row, um, you know, isn't as strong as it looks, but you know, you've got to win. Good on them for winning. Um, I, I, I th- think that they're going to be fitter and stronger at the end of the year. They've said that. So, you know, that game plan tweak, they haven't really built the all-team defence. So really the big change they've made is 
they're more of a territory team now, much less lateral kicking on the back half and controlling tempo that way. They're, they get it forward. But they haven't got an all-team d- defence and they're um, incredibly reliant defensively on Stewart. Uh, his numbers are insane this year and so are Cameron. So they've got, you know, they've got some really quality players. Just one thing I'll say about Cameron is that Cameron's just a magnificent footballer, I reckon. He's a beautiful kick, got good hands. He seems to be super fit this year. So he's getting much higher up the ground than he has, um, you know, in previous years. And what, what the way they play is they push hard up and then when they come back, they leave space in behind. And he's so da- damaging when he's running back towards the goal and they kick it over his head and he runs onto it. That's where he gets a lot of his goals mm. from and it works super well, but it, won't work that well. It doesn't work as well against Melbourne because um, unlike most teams, you know, increasingly this is other teams are employing this strategy, we have our deep goalkeeper. So we have that player, as I talked about, in terms of we have one less at the stoppage, we have our extra down back, and that player is a May or a Petty or a Lever or even a Gus. So when Cameron is running back with the flight of the ball inside 50, in most circumstances, he's running into a big old empty space. Against the Ds, he's got May, Lever, Petty or Gus running directly at him. So it really cuts down his um, efficiency or his effectiveness, I should say. And the other one is um, um, Hawkins, fantastic footballer. You can't let him get one-on-one because he's going to beat almost any defender, probably with the except, exception of Steve May, um, you know, for strength in the AFL. Um, but we don't allow many one-on-ones down there. So we get the third man um, across. We get four, you know, sometimes two or three players across. So um, they're two big forward weapons, both fantastic footballers, but our our structure, um, I think, really negates both of their strengths. And so then the question becomes, where do they get the goals? Danger is one. I think he definitely slimmed down, George. That's a good pickup, and I, and I would expect that's conscious to, to get him through and to be a bit more agile, starting to be a bit of a block of concrete. Uh, and Stengel's the other one who's been just a revelation, really, um, um, for them, a great pickup. Um, and I'm pretty positive when Scott was talking about would they look at Dugowie, um, he was saying you've got to give people an opportunity and you've got to back your culture. And I suspect they might have been talking about Stengel because he had a pretty rough end to his career at uh, the Crows. Fancy playing uh, first versus second on, uh, you know, on a Thursday night at Geelong in front of in a stadium that's uh, not even complete. Uh, I'm the... going to Andy. So, well, oh, you managed to get a ticket for it. I did manage to get the ticket. It was easy. I just went to Ticket Tech, and there we go. You get a single ticket, not a problem. Uh, hopefully you're sitting amongst uh, the Melbourne uh, No, 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 in fact I know I'm not because <laughs> randomly for some reason I've got a Geelong ticket tag, tag so okay. I'm in the middle of a Geelong area <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully you give it to them uh, Yeah, I will be I'm going to go in a sort of incognito and about 10 minutes in I'll take off my jumper um, <laughs> and reveal the demon colours <laughs> Um, uh, all right, uh, well, that's the match. Uh, well, we do have uh, time. Um, uh, George, um, you want to talk about AFLW? We... Yeah, just briefly, um, this was uh, on the end of draft week um, in the AFLW. Uh, four new sides in the competition, which has uh, spread the uh, talent quite thinly. Um, and those four sides all had priority picks um, and also that was on top of the 
uh, state le state league uh, uh, situation that the AFLW has. So um, the uh, 12 uh, sides in Victoria get to pick from Victorian sides and the two sides in South Australia get to pick from South Australia before anybody else gets a crack at them. Um, so uh, I said last year that um, we're pushing for um, uh, the pointy end of the season we're looking at seriously at premierships and it was reflected this year in our um, in our selections in the draft. We've maintained most of the players on the list, which was good. Um, but more importantly, um, our drafted players, um, with one exception, are all um, well-established players. Uh, the um, problem for the girls this year is that the, the girls who are 17 or thereabouts um, who were drafted this year for the various sides um, probably won't play because it's year 12 for them in their school. Um, so if you're looking to do something this year, you need established players. You're not going to improve your side by putting by drafting players, as has been in the past. So we picked up Maeve Chaplin, who's a 19-year-old. Uh, we picked 44. She's played with the Casey Demon, so we know what she's like as a defender and um, with Gabby Colvin going down, unfortunately, we're going to need all the defenders that uh, we can get together this year. Number pick 49 was Samantha Johnson, also uh, a Casey VFLW player and was captain. Uh, she's 29 years of age and also um, is a defender, but also plays midfield as well. So a nice tall midfielder. Um, 180 centimetres tall, which is um, tall for the girls. Uh, the one that uh, we did pick up at pick 72 was Georgia Gall, who's 17 years of age, so she probably won't play. But once again, a 180-centimetre uh, defender. Um, coincidentally, she's um, a fast bowler in the under-18s Australian side, I think. So so she'll be good in the off-season for uh, cricket practice. Uh, subsequent to the draft, we picked up uh, uncontracted, uh, an uncontracted player from Fremantle in Sabrina Duffy, who's a 22-year-old small forward. Uh, she's kicked 30 goals in the last 25 games. She'll be a real positive to the side because our problem has been uh, in the last couple of years actually putting something through the big sticks. Uh, we've had Daisy Pierce uh, playing up there, but she'll probably be this will probably be her last season, and um, we need someone else to help out uh, Taylor Harris up up front. Uh, Duffy seems to be the uh, ideal person to slot into that role as well. Um, we we just haven't been able to put scores on the board in a lot of games during the season, and this this might be a real positive for us come the end of the season, come the pointy end of the season. So, yeah, once again, we we are seriously. Um, pushing for um, uh, the, the premiership sort of window. Um, the draw came out yesterday or today. Um, and not surprisingly, we've because we finished, played in the grand final uh, this last season, um, we've got a pretty awful draw against other, a lot of other top uh, sides and existing sides. Um, uh, Adelaide got a similar sort of draw to us, so we can't complain about that. But uh, uh, we're going to finish up, I suspect, in the situation where we're going to have one of the new uh, teams that are coming in are going to get an easy draw and finish up in the finals because it's only a 10-game season. Um, so uh, it'll be disappointing if we were to miss, miss out, as we did a number of years ago when, uh, when uh, exactly that happened. So uh, we'll wait and see. But if you're going to be good enough to win a premiership, you've got to beat, win those games that are put in front of you regardless. Uh, 
B-Man, anything you want to add to that? Ten-game season's too short, isn't it? So mm. the plan. Am I right to say, George, that the plan is from now on the season's going to be starting every year in August? Uh, I guess they'll see how this year goes. Yeah, <laughs> I think like, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting because then presumably in that the ten weeks, does that pick up the when's the grand final for for the women? Uh, I'd have to have to look. It goes at through it. past it goes the thing. Through goes, the de- so. goes through to December. I yeah, think. yeah. So, uh, but uh, in, I mean, in, I just... in the early part of the season, we pin it, there's some strange anomalies because the men's uh, competition is still going on. So, for example, yeah. we we're playing a home game at uh, Port Melbourne. Because obviously, I'm, I'm guessing that Casey's playing there on that weekend, on that day, or something like that. Yeah, Casey right. Men. So, and yeah, what are they going to do during fi- uh, the men's finals? Uh, are they um, playing through that? I, I, on the dates they do, yeah. but uh, I, I really haven't looked at it uh, yeah. from that perspective. Yeah, be it might interesting. be interesting. Might be an opportunity to play a game before. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, why not? Come prelim weekend, there's only the two games, and then there's the bye the before the grand final. So, yeah. plenty of opportunities. It's just that I think, George, they, we need to score more. And what was the other? Uh, sorry, I missed it. There's the Frio player, the small forward that we picked up. Yeah, from Sabrina Frio. Duffy. Yeah. Is it? No, no. There was another um, Italian sounding name. Is that the. Maybe I'm. Uh... Just off the top of my head, we picked up one another one from Geelong, pre 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 draft. Oh, I was thinking, okay, maybe I got to yeah. run, but yeah, we need to do something about our scoring, don't we? We kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. and Taylor Harris is it's a bit like having a tools, but we've got to get better at you know accuracy as well. But we've just got to score more often when we're yeah. getting it inside fifty. All right, well, I think we're going to wrap it there. Thank you, uh, Binman. Thank you, George, uh, for joining me uh, whilst I uh, are out on, on, on holidays. And But uh, I, I will be away for the Geelong match, but I will fortunately be home uh, to discuss it. And hopefully we're discussing a, a great win that sets up the rest of our season. So uh, let's go, Demons. Can I just say on that game, Andy, yeah. that I predict it's going to be a corker. So I reckon both teams will be as fresh five day break from Melbourne. So, you know, we, there's no time to do any additional stuff. We'll be as good to go. We'll get a real sim- signal of this um, if Jacko comes back in, I reckon, um, because, you know, we'll have, have just about closest to our best 22. And there's a real enmity between these two sides and um, that's been building over the last couple of years. And I just get the feeling that the D's are really, really keen to, you know, always keen to win, but it's something a bit extra against the Cats. And I reckon they will have mm. thought last year about that prelim. Scott's comments about, you know, the sort of making some comments about the fact they were sick coming into that game. And, you know, I reckon they'll be looking to to make a, a statement. So I, I haven't looked at, um, as forward to a game of footy for a long, long time. So I, I can't wait. Go Red Leggers. Well, enjoy. Get home from it. <laughs> yeah, enjoy that. Enjoy the trip and hopefully enjoy the trip home, uh, more importantly. <laughs> Let's go, Demon. <laughs> Let's go, Red